the clowning was relaxation for me. I enjoyed entertaining kids. Like some people are, uh, you know, they they unwind in different ways, either either by going out drinking or that. I could put on clown makeup and I was relaxed. And I'm, I enjoyed doing it. I it was uh, it, I, twice. It was only twice a month that I did yeah, it. Yeah, this I was, was not used for a lure to to draw kids to you. Is is the no? We would visit uh, different hospitals and uh, entertain the children there. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Second run. Yes. You're listening to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hiya. I'm Kate Rumbo. Kate Rambo, uh, it's your last weekend in uh, Los Angeles. It is. Back to the, the grim north of Britain, I'd go. No. Well, hopefully... And you'll be living here permanently by the fall. That's what we're hoping. We'll like, see. We'll see. Visa we're, we're, st- yeah, allowing. we're still waiting to hear back about the uh, the visa. The visa. Yeah. Application that was uh, sent over when, like, December. almost six months ago? Yeah, it should be about now that we're hearing. Well, hopefully we hear something soon. But you did, you know, you got to do uh, some dark tourism this time. I did. Not, Not as, as much as last time. Well, last time I had definitely had more of a, like, a Manson agenda. And because we were going to, like, Alcatraz and San Francisco, it was, like, there was something kind of Manson-y to do a lot. But today, this time was more like, we're going to chill out on it a bit. Yeah, we did We did a few. Uh, what, uh, who did we go see? Um, Salminio, where he lived and Salminio, died. Salminio. It's like around yeah. the corner. Rebecca, Rebecca Schaefer. That's also around the corner. Went to yeah, Rebecca right Schaefer. in West Hollywood. And, uh, you know, this weekend, I think we're driving down to Long Beach. So we might uh, go see Sharon Tate. We're going to go City. see Sh- Sharon Tate's grave. We have to take a penny to leave leave for her. Leave a penny for Sharon Tate. I might yeah, actually leave, leave a her a nickel. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> should I worry about something here? You get, I'm, I'm just saying, I get she was hot. She is fucking hot, to be she fair. She was hot, you know? Had a great ass. Um, <laughs> I think most of the time, though, you kind of spent um, watching the uh, Depp, Giant Depp Amber Heard trial. Watching the trial, yeah. I've, I've been wading my way through it. You've been, you've been into it. I mean, you've been watching the full trial. Like yeah. four or five hours of it. Yeah, just having it on in the background while you put it. While you're doing other stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, the, is the trial as major an event in the UK as it is here? I've definitely been seeing people, lots of people posting about it. I'm, I'm assuming so. Like, is the Daily Mail, like, you know, covering it on their front page? Yeah, but the Daily Mail will cover any old fucking tripod. Eh? Well, along with the sun and the yeah. mirror. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it's as big of a, you know, a tabloid sensation in the UK as it is over here. Yeah, I'd say it is. I mean, it, it's enthralling. You know, I haven't been able to watch the whole thing, but you've, you've shown me certain parts of it. And, uh, watch the you've highlighted, yeah, you've, you've highlighted uh, portions of it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty enthralling. It's not often you get to see a glimpse into celebrities' lives like this. Yeah, that's why I like it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and plus, uh, the uh, this past week, it's been um, a lot of Johnny Depp's uh, 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 witnesses. Yeah, well, it's been like the cross examination, basically, and the cross examination, well, which is brilliant. Too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, we, we've been chatting about it on length on Patreon. I know, uh, I think last week's was Overkill. We we compared Giant Epp and Amber Heard to Charlie Sheen and Denise Richards, which is another batshit crazy celebrity divorce. Oh, yeah. I still think Charlie Sheen wins for just being absolute mentalist of the century. I, I don't know. I, I really think Amber Heard might have multiple personalities. She I, seems so crazy. I definitely think she believes her lies. I don't think that she has multiple personality, but I do believe that now it has gone so far that she believes her own lies. I th- I think she's James McAvoy in the in the film Split. Right. Have you I, ever seen that? No, and I don't think she's Do, that. Would they play the audio clips of her just flipping out? And being a know. dick. She's a dickhead, mate. And he's a dickhead too, but... There's going to be nobody found guilty in this trial. That's what everyone keeps forgetting. It's a li- It's going to be a liable case that goes into monetary. It's not going to be like somebody goes, you're guilty, and that's it. Well, like, I think, yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, doesn't, she just has to, he's he's trying to sue her for defamation. Liable. And so, yeah, liable, yeah. because uh, um, she wrote that op-ed. And so if his, if uh, she can prove that he abused her at all, you know, then then she wins. Basically, you know, yeah. If she can prove that the op-ed wasn't written about him, then she wins. Basically, yes. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think the burden of proof is on Depp, even though I think the lawyers have done a great job. Um, you know, yesterday uh, was the, uh, the, the, the closing statements because now the trial's in deliberations, um, which are great. I mean, the, the defense teams, I think both, you know, the defense and the prosecution uh, both delivered pretty effective closing statements. Are you gutted that it's almost over? Um, I'm glad it is getting over because I saw today, um, I really liked the defense attorney's closing statement, by the way. I thought that was better than... Camille's? Either, yeah, I thought it was better than either of theirs. Or not Camille's, the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Johnny uh, Depp's team, Camille and uh, Ben. Well, you thought their closing statements was better than the... No, the I thought Amber, Amber Heard's closing statements. I thought he did it properly. Like, he kind he of did. like laid out, this is what the jury needs to deliberate on. Yeah. Whereas I think... Johnny Depp's lawyers were sort of is more of a testament to his character. They went for the emotional side, but they yeah. should have set up and been like, "This is what you have to look for when you are going into that room and talking." And this is to what each you other. need to decide. Yeah, because it is yeah. a big thing. But I did see when they cut to somebody in the crowd who was watching it, and they were asleep during the prosecutors or the defense statement. That's actually when I decided when I was fifteen, we have to do a thing called work experience in school, where they send you away for a week. And I went because I was well, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to be a lawyer then. They sent me away to this lawyer's office for like a week. And at the end on the Friday, we went to court and it was for a traffic. Some Did you fall asleep? Uh, yeah. I was like, I am not going to be a lawyer. I just cannot cope with like all the boringness that goes with it. So what do you think uh, the outcome will be? I would hope. I don't think Johnny Depp can not prove his liable claim. So I think they're going to settle in Amber Heard's favor. But what I would actually like is if they turned around and said, and Mr. Depp has to pay 20 quid to her. Oh, so that's all she wins. So it's a fuck you to both of them. I think they both need to be told fuck off. Well, they're both, I mean, it's, they're both domestic abusers. It's mutual abuse on both sides. She's, I think she's- She's a monster, he's he's a monster. Yeah, I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as her, and he's, there's no evidence of him taking shits on beds. But- and there's and there's physical evidence. There's medical records of the abuse that he endured for her from her. Yeah, 
And you know, I mean, like the finger and his scratches all over his face. And her claiming to be a victim of abuse and spe- a victim of sexual abuse and coming out against that, I think is like one of the most evil things that someone can do. Well, not to mention, uh, she was like, well, I'm going to, because she was like, you know, virtue signaling. I'm going to donate the $7,000 or million. $7 million, $7 yeah. million to the ACLU and to, what was the other charity? A kid's hospital. A kid's hospital. Children's hospital yeah. here in L.A. And uh, they found out that she donated like a, a small fraction of what that, it was. Well, Elon Musk donated it. Yeah, okay. Elon Musk donated the money. And she claimed, well, I pledged it, you know, which means the same as donation, which it doesn't. No, it doesn't. This is what I mean. This is why I think she's either an expert. She's not a good actress. Like she's either an ex- expert bullshitter or she does just believe that she's completely innocent. And that's what makes her super dangerous. Well, she's a great liar. And yeah. I think the I think his uh, prosecution team proved that she committed perjury. Yeah, and we would. I was talking about this. I would love to know what happens when somebody, because isn't it quite a rare thing for somebody to commit perjury and then it gets discovered and then like what do they go to jail? Like what happens? I'll have to. You well, know what? I'll ask someone. I mean, I, I think it's up to the jury. You know, to kind of decide was this person lying on the stand? She was. And will that you know affect the outcome of the deliberation? I mean, I don't. You know, we have to see. But either way, I think Depp's won the court of public opinion. He's going to work again after this. I, she is not going to work. But for the last five years, he has been... He's been in, a pariah. He's been a pariah. And mm. now it's her turn to face the wrath of it. I heard he might be uh, in Beetlejuice 2 with Winona. I'll watch that. I'll see that. And, you know, and then she's going to come out of this trial, whether she wins or she loses... As one of the more, most hated people on the internet right now. Yeah, and she's never you know? gonna not live down Amber Turd. That is her for the rest <laughs> of her life. <laughs> that is her nickname. She'll be in Hollywood forever with um, a turd-shaped um, ceremonial marker, Amber we'll, Turd. We'll have to see. I mean, should they? Didn't they say there's gonna be a decision next week? There should be. Depends how long the jury deliberate. Yeah, we'll have to find out. So, if you had the opportunity to watch the trial of an infamous serial killer, who would it be? Um, I would probably like I would love to go see the Manson trial because that would have been like there was chicks there. There's the Manson family hanging out. Everyone's good looking. Salminio was at that trial. Your celebrity spotting. It was the place to go. The place to be seen. Was did Roman Polanski go? Of course he did. He gave evidence. Yeah, he gave evidence. Yeah. Did a uh, um? Oh yeah, I guess he wasn't uh, a persona non grata at that time. Uh, very close to being <laughs> close a, to being close yeah. Though. Um, and just to see Manson. Give his testimony. Yeah, and when they say when he, there was a part where they talk about him, like he leaps out of his chair towards the judge and it's a really far, like far away where he was sat and he and he got about halfway in one leap because he's like a little, little spring-legged demon. But that wasn't even a death penalty trial though. Like what it about, was. what about, was it? He wasn't, was he? They all got sentenced. No, I'm, I can't say for the girls, but I know he got sentenced to death. And then the death penalty was shortly, it was overturned in 71 in California. Oh, okay, yeah. Or they put a, like, a kind of stop to it. I guess they thought they had stopped it, or I thought they had stopped it at that time. No, it was a death penalty trial. So what about Gacy's trial? That was a death penalty trial. Would you want to attend that? Yeah, I'd want to see Gacy's as well, because he's one of the high canon. And Gacy was more dangerous in the way from Manson, because you look at Manson, you think, he's a creep, he's a little put pimp he's a fucking weirdo but gacy was like you know your neighbor nightmare neighbor an upstanding citizen you know i mean he like uh was a successful businessman he was on 
I don't know, was it like the Des, Des Plaine City Council? Yeah. You know, he, he was a children's clown. Like he was a clown for kids' birthday party, Pogo. Had also done time for sodomy. <laughs> That's your neighbor. Uh, the reason I'm bringing up Gacy um, is because Kate has been obsessed with a new true crime podcast, which I believe you mentioned on the show a couple of times. Yeah, I think I've said it a couple of times. Um, but you just found this one, the Defense Diaries. Yeah, just recently. And um, so this week, Kate reached out to the host of the show, criminal defense attorney Bob Mata, to come on uh, Sick and Wrong to discuss the first season of The Defense Diaries, uh, which is all about John Wayne Gacy. And, uh, and this is what makes this show particularly remarkable, is that he has 15 hours of never-before-heard pre-trial interviews with Gacy and Gacy's defense attorney, who happens to be Bob's own father. Bob Mata Sr. Bob Mata Sr. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane. His uh, dad just pretty much, uh, I think when you say, he, he said on his birthday, gave him a shoebox full of tapes. Yeah, instead of a car. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of amazing. And throughout the season, I mean, he reveals some facts about the Gacy case and the victims that more or less rewrites the narrative of, of uh, this vile killer. 100% it does. It changes what we all thought we knew about Gacy. In a lot of ways. It, it definitely does. I'm not going to say anything else because we were about to play the interview here. But before we get to that, um, just a quick word about our Patreon page. I want to thank everybody, seriously, for supporting the show. Yeah. Um, thank you to all the new patrons. You know you know who you are, who just signed up this month. And to all the patrons who have supported us you know, every month since, uh, since we launched the Patreon. I know times are tough and we do appreciate you, know, you guys keeping it sick and wrong, helping us to keep the show going. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's very cool. So let me play this Patreon promo, and then we'll get into the interview with uh, Bob Mata. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. All right, so you guys listen to Dave Matthews. You yeah, got a water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, and She's then... like, come to the boudoir. Right. The boudoir. Right. The boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> she is she is the type of woman who would call it a boudoir. Right. So so you go in there. When did you see first encounter the smell? Uh I think it's like when I pulled off her pants. Oh, so you pulled her panties down. Wow, and, just when and, you and, what and pants or panties? No, no, no. Panties or trousers here. Panties still on. Strong whiff. Oh, through Whoa. the panties. Yeah. That's intense. That's intense. Right. That's intense. And I noticed. And so you're like, I got to go further. And I was like, I got to get my head in there. (laughs) I got to put my tongue in that. (laughs) I got to inspect a little closer. (laughs) I got to find Nemo. (laughs) For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. Don't you ever think of me. Hey, Bob. Uh, how are you, man? Thanks for being on the I'm show. I'm awesome, man. I'm awesome. Uh, Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. You know, Kate actually recently discovered your, your podcast and has been binging season one. Awesome. I haven't. Yeah. I love, I love hearing that. You, you know, as, as fellow creators, you, you know, there's nothing sweeter to your ears than hearing that. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. You know, 
And that's the thing. It's like you never know how you fi- you find these shows. I mean, Kate's really into true crime. I mean, oh yeah, I loved it as soon as I started listening. I can't remember how I found it, but I was like, "This unheard Gacy stuff." I was like, "I'm I've got to get into this." And then the other thing I really love about your podcast is not just Gacy. It's yeah. like you're getting like because I'm into true crime. I like to think like like everyone does. I'm like, oh, I know a bit about lawyering. It's like right. no, I actually know nothing about lawyering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the thing going in, you know, because like Gacy had been like this weird part of my life for, you know, since I was 10, like whenever my dad picked that case up. And so it's always just kind of been there, you know, like kind of omnipotently hanging around in my fucking brain and just a part of my like my life. And so when he gave me those tapes, I sat on them forever. I had no fucking idea what to do with them. And um, you know, I, I had started tinkering cause I fell in love with podcasting and I've always been an auditory guy. Like I've always liked, loved like AM radio and like talk radio and shit like that. I just, I like listening to stories. It's always been like, I prefer it to actually watching stories. <laughs> so when I, when I listened to serial, um, like many of us like that, like in terms of true crime, I was like, fuck, man, this is awesome. Like, I, I really, I enjoyed it. And I binged that like immediately. And then I, I kind of started diving in. And then I was a little disappointed because I didn't really find anything that kind of like hit me the same way that Serial did initially. Um, you know, because it's like, I, I like, like me personally, I enjoy like the serialized podcast. I like a long story where they're kind of diving into the, the you know, like an episode. all the details. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, I to me, that's it. so you know, ultimately what I decided and I had tinkered with doing the pod like four years ago and, and, you know, I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm in the middle of a, like a law practice and my wife is my law partner. And, you know, and, and going in, you have no fucking idea, you know, how much work it is to do what we do. Like it, it's a massive <laughs> amount of work and it's like, it's, it's an unbelievable amount of work and, and there's no, you know, so I had this source material and, and I'm, I'm going into it thinking, well, you know, maybe with the source material, I'll be able to like skip you know, that, that step of having to put all the fucking work in and build the audience and all that shit. And no. it just doesn't work like that, dude. <laughs> you know, it no, just doesn't work. Like as, as amazing as, as my source material was, is like, I still have to, you know, do you what all do of the us social have to media. do as indie pods, man. Yeah. You know, you got to fucking grow your show. That's it. You know, That's what you got to so, do. So you got to. So I, I ended up, um, I hit up my homie who, who is my EP, uh, and he's a he's a sound engineer by trade. Oh wow! And he, but he was in the music industry, and he was starving because of COVID. And I'm like, yo, man, you know, I'm thinking about fucking around with this podcast. And he's like, well, I've I've never even listened to a podcast. I'm like, well, listen to one, you know, because I need your help on this. So he's like, because I actually had hit him up. I'm like, hey, man, do you know how to work a DAW? And he's like, well, it's like, dude, I that's what I use every fucking day of my life, you know. So he's like, yes, I know how to work a DAW. So. Yeah, I said, look, would you be interested in doing this with me? And he's like, yeah, man, for sure. So I booked him a ticket. And then, you know, creatively, we were just in like lockstep because I like going into the Gacy thing. I was like, I'm not going to make it about Gacy. You know, obviously, I've got these tapes. Obviously, I'm going to play as much of the tapes as I can for the because like that was my thing with the tapes. I, I wanted them to be public, but I wanted it to be on my terms where. You know, like, cause I, I, I had led a deal. Uh, I killed a deal with Berlinger, the guy who just dropped that thing three, you know, three weeks ago on Netflix, the Gacy mm, thing. Yeah, We're yeah. going to talk about my that. Pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we, we definitely want to get into that. And that's, that's part of the reason why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of enamored with your podcast because you're, you're putting a new insight on right. someone like John Wayne Gacy, which, uh, you know, most people 
would never have that opportunity to do. And par- right. partially because, so your father was his defense attorney, Bob Mata Sr.? Right. That's, that's, so yeah. first question here, was he court appointed? No. Okay, uh-huh. so Gacy sought him out? No, so so there were two there were two lawyers that handled the, the trial. It was Sam Amaranti and my father. So Sam had actually been doing um, like contractual type shit for Gacy, like for his contracting business. Like if mm. he had like oh, little yeah, beefs yeah, come yeah. up, and I think that Sam had ha- like handled a couple of like some of Gacy's other like like misdemeanor type battery type shit, which. You know, everybody looking back in retrospect was like a major red flag that, you know, at that point in time, Chicago police just didn't give a fuck about um, because it was really the gay community and they just didn't give a shit about the gay community back then at all. You know, it's like, oh, it's a gay fight. We don't care. You know, know, he would just say, oh, man, I'll I'll just tell the cops it was consensual and they won't give a fuck. And that's exactly he was exactly right. So like Sam ended up like he was the, the first guy that Gacy hired. And then when the story broke, I happened to be visiting my father because my parents were divorced from Colorado and, uh, and on that night and it was Christmas vacation for me and I was like 10 or some shit and, and the story broke and my dad's like, holy shit, because Sam came on the news and like the night that it broke and my dad's like, I know him. He's like, I wonder if I should reach out to him and like, you know, this is obviously before email and texting and all that shit and, and see if he needs assistance with, assistance with the case, you know, because it was at that point it still wasn't even clear how big this case was you know like the first night it was like i think they unearthed like two or three bodies and then yeah, yeah. like over the next four months it you know like the the count ends at 33. <laughs> yeah it blew up they kept finding more bodies oh my god dude and then it was like national never ending. so yeah. like when my father got into it he had no idea you know what the magnitude of it was going to be but he knew that it was a big enough case that, that sam was going to need help so my dad reached out to Sam. Sam immediately said yes, because my dad had literally just hung his shingle. He had been a public defender for you know 14 years prior to that and had literally gone out on his own, like I think within like a month of that. So that was like kind of like his first case coming back, you know, back into private practice. And so yeah, no, they they were not court appointed. They were both retained by Gacy. Wow. <clears throat> let's 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 get back to your father's tapes. So yeah. your father, I'm assuming, is if if, if he's retired now, right? Uh, yeah, I'd say ninety-eight percent retired. You know, okay. like he'll do like some one-off type stuff, but he's yeah, he's not practicing actively. What was the deal? Was he like going cleaning up the basement? He's like, oh, I found these tapes of the interviews with John Wayne Gacy that I did. Here you go, son. No, my dad's uh like a like a very nostalgic pack like a pack rat like anything that has any kind of um value to him in terms of it being something that was significant in his life. Um, like he keeps shit. Like my dad's that kind of guy, like every year, like he'll get me like a book, like he'll get me like uh, attorney for the dam by Clarence Darrow. And then inside mm. of that, he'll put like two Polaroids that are like 30 years old of me when I was a kid. I so he it. just, he keeps shit <laughs> like that. And so like he had these tapes and like, those were for him. He knew what the value of them was at the time. You know I mean? These were all his interviews with Gacy when when they were preparing for trial. They were one of a kind, oh, yeah. they were historic in that sense. And then you know when it when it came to be clear, you know just the magnitude of that case, he knew what he had, but he held on to him. And I didn't know he had him. You know, it wasn't like something he ever talked about. So on my twenty first birthday, that's when he actually gave him to me. You know, like I kind of tell the story in the pod, and it's an absolutely true story. It was my twenty first birthday. I was 
hoping for car keys, man. Cause I was driving around some beater, man, you know, and <laughs> he hands me this fucking shoe box and I'm like, I'm like, what is this? And you know, like right on the box, it just scrawled Gacy tapes. I open it up and you know, there they were. And then I didn't know what to do with them, you know, for years and years yeah. and years and years. So, um, you know, I contemplated selling them and, you know, when I kind of discovered the podcasting, man, that was like the bell rang and, you know, a light light bulb popped in my head and I'm like, Ooh, I think did, maybe uh, that's the way to go. Did, did your father approve of you playing these tapes on air? Like, did you, yeah, have to, did yeah. You get and, his... and like, so like kind of the bigger question initially, like people were asking me because like attorney client privilege survives death. Okay, that's, so, that was my like, next question. I was wondering yeah. if it ends yeah. at right after lethal injection. Yeah, no, it survives death. Okay. But, but the thing is that Gacy had waived privilege way, way back when. Like the way that he was anticipating both Sam and my father actually getting paid was from the book or movie deal. Because they ended up making like nothing on that case. They made like, like in, to, like in today, like I think they each made like 23 grand on like oh, a case that wow. took like that shut their entire practices down and like ate up their entire, you know, lives for like over a year, you know, so they didn't make shit off of it. And, you know, so Gacy waived privilege back then knowing that these guys would be able to make a book or movie deal, um, you know, in order to kind of get paid for the case. So like, I didn't have to worry about that. Like, you know, I, like I knew that the, the privilege had been waived and I mean, there would have been an argument because I wasn't his attorney. So I yeah. didn't have the, the privilege issue but I didn't want it to come back and bite my father in the ass. You know what I mean? Like somewhere down the road. Um, but you know, like when, when I found out that there was the waiver, I didn't have to worry about it at all. Do you interview your father on the show? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So like, you, you it, and it was, it was funny, man, going in, I'm like, Oh man, I got my dad, in my, like my back pocket here. Like I'll have like hours and hours and hours <laughs> of fucking like never ending amazing interviews with my dad. And, he didn't fucking like he barely remembered anything. <laughs> so it's like I have him on there, but it's like it's it wasn't what I expected. But I I was able to coax him into reading his entire um opening statement, which is fucking incredibly moving. Um, oh, that's and it amazing. was it, like in its entirety. Like I, I do some things on my podcast that no one no one does in podcasts. Like I, I was able to to get my dad to read his opening statement that he ah, gave wow. that only the people in the courtroom have ever heard. And it's, it's fucking amazing. It's brilliant. And like when he gave it, he wasn't reading it. It's like when you listen to his words and you hear it in total, you can hear what a brilliant attorney he was back then. And then we end the entire series that I, I was able to, to coax Bill Kunkel, who was the lead prosecutor yeah, yeah. to read his entire closing argument, which took four hours to record. And we're like, fuck, like we can't put four hour closing on an episode. So we like, we tailored very little of it, you know, I mean, like, I think we got it down to around two hours, but it was, it was worth the ride. It's like, I, it was amazing. I mean, like for that type of case, for that case, to be able to give the people like that kind of time machine to go exactly, back yeah. and, and like, pretend like you're sitting in that courtroom, listening to that man say those words in that case to me, was fucking unbelievable. Like, I mean, it's I, like, a piece of history yeah, that a exactly. lot of people would never be privy to. So, right. I mean, it's kind I mean, of like, amazing. Literally, the only people that have ever heard it were the people that were in that courtroom that day, you know? Like, so maybe, maybe 100 people on the planet, and half of them are probably dead, you know? So I, I, I got to say, that's what Patreon's for, all the bonus content. Put, like, four hours right. up on that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The whole, the whole fucking kit and caboodle on uh, Patreon, so, for sure. Tell me about the deal with Netflix. So they're coming out with this documentary. Did you pitch your idea about you know about gacy 
like prior to this documentary that they did? Oh yeah. Like how'd that work? He ran, yeah. That's my pitch. So the way that it worked 2019, um, and, and like I had been tinkering, that's why I was saying like in 2019, I had been tinkering with, I was actually on jam cruise and you know, we have a bunch of buddies in the music industry. And I was like talking to one of my friends and she, she managed a band and I was like, look, you know, Cause I really respected her opinion. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking about doing like a podcast with these tapes that I have. And she's like, that's a fucking great idea. It'll be amazing. Yeah. And you know, she's so right. she really kind of like, kind of like fueled the fire a little bit and, you know, and then I'm sitting there like on Netflix and it was like the night that, that Berlinger dropped his Bundy tapes on Netflix. Ugh, yeah. so I, I didn't actually that. see that. I think it was like, I think it was like four or five episodes. It might've been six. No, it was eight um, episodes. It was eight hours on. I hate. Okay. I have a personal hatred towards the Netflix docs. I think they're pretty shitty. But the Bundy yeah. one was really shitty. I thought it was totally shitty. So yeah, like, you know. But but I had respected Berlinger for his work on Paradise Lost, like his his oh West yeah Memphis three yeah. shit. Actually, that was at great. least at the time. You know, like all the shit that came out after the fact. You know, kind of like cast a little bit of a different light on that. But I still respected the work. I thought that he was in terms of a true crime documentary and I, I respected him. So that night I'm sitting on my, in my room and I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking send this guy an email. So I draft up this email, which actually I like, I started posting so that people knew that I wasn't fucking like full of shit. Mm. I like posted my pitch to him that I, I pitched him that night via email and his response. Cause I sent him a very long email. I'm like, look, I've got these tapes like those tapes that you used for Bundy sucked. They were a bunch of fucking self-serving bullshit from some fucking guy on death row. I'm like, my tapes are tapes of Gacy and his attorney preparing for trial that no one's ever heard. They're fucking amazing. And, you know, so if you're interested, let me know. I was thinking somebody on his staff might, you know, check yeah, out the email and get back to me at some point. He hits me back up in five minutes. He's like, dude, he's like, I'm, I am massively interested. And I'm going to, I'm going to fucking circle you in with my producer, Dave. So I then proceed to, to go nine months trying to negotiate a deal with these guys for them to license the sound of the tapes. I couldn't, I couldn't get it done. You know, like they just weren't giving me like what I thought the value of them was. Cause I was like, frankly, looking to try to help out my father financially um, more than me. And, you know, I just couldn't get them off like 35 grand. I'm like, fuck. Oh, they're grand. worth more than like, that. Please. That was it. Like, yeah. that, like oh. I could not get them off that number. Like that wow. was it. So like, my, my dad ends up sending uh, Dave and Joe an email. He's like, well, we want $3 million. I was like, well, you killed that fucking deal right there, man. I'm like, that's, that's, that that's going to happen, but come so, on, at least half a mil. Totally. Yeah. So ultimately what, what ends up happening is like almost right after that deal died, uh, I got contacted by uh, A&E who came with a much higher number. It was like, I think like 135 grand. Okay, um, but it still better. was like, but at that point, I was already kind of obsessed with doing a podcast because I'm like, man, I'm going to be able to tell the story that I want to tell. Yeah, and, and in your own way, people hear the tapes, and so I end up killing that deal as well. And then that's when I hit Darren up, and I'm like, yo, I want to do this podcast, man. I've got a pretty good idea on how we should do it. And then we're about three, probably three, I want to say like three to four weeks into starting to produce the podcast. And I, I, the word gets out that Berlinger's doing this fucking documentary that he, he is running with yeah. my pitch and that he's hunted down some other tapes, which he is now, like if you look at the very first 
like screen where he's got graphics on there and he's talking about the tapes, he's representing that they're the defense team as if they're, they're like my tapes and they're just not like, those are Karen Conti. Those are like, cause you can hear a woman speaking to, to Gacy in them. And they're no, the only female attorney ever involved in that case was his very last appellate attorney, Karen Conti. So he's misrepresenting what they are, but I, like, I didn't, I didn't even give a shit about any of that, man. You know, I was like, yeah. what I cared about most. And then the guy calls his, his other producer, this guy, Ted um, hits me up. He's like, Hey man, He's like, I know you're doing the podcast, but like, we really want to have your dad come and interview. I was like, well, I said, you know, obviously I'm doing my podcast and it's on the same subject matter. So, you know, I mean, I was like, I, I necessarily, I don't necessarily have a problem with you doing it because I think anything that happens with Gacy is going to help my pod in terms of Gacy just yeah, being yeah. out, you know, in the public eye again. Publicity. So I, I, yeah. But, and he's like, oh dude, he's like, I got so many friends in the, like in the, really in the industry, in the podcast industry, I'm going to fucking hook you up. So I'm like, all right, man, cool. So I send my dad, you know, I, I browbeat the fuck out of him to go and do this thing. And he does it. And, you know, of course, Ted doesn't hold up his end of the bargain at all. And but but none of that, like, I didn't give a fuck about any of that. The thing that I cared about is when I discover that they had planted and fabricated the biggest piece of evidence in that case. It I was going to ask you about this. Dude. It was mind blowing. They don't include this in the new documentary, do they? Like no, you've no, they, not, they, not only do they not, not do they, because that's what my, my response to him was after I, I broke the story, I, I, I messaged Ted. I'm like, look, man, it's like, I don't know how much you have in the can in terms of interviews, but like, you got to fucking scrap it all. Like, we've just changed the narrative of the case. And it's not yeah. like theory. Completely. Yeah. I have the cops telling me that, that this was done, that they, you know, that how they got Gacy. It's like. It turned from like a Gacy story into a cop story on like how they got, how they were actually able to nab like one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. And it was, they planted the fucking evidence, man. So it was like, he's like, we have 80% in the can. And he's like, I'm, I, Netflix isn't going to pay for me to refilm it. He's like, I got to put out the lie, you know? And I'm like, wow. It's like, I lost all wow. fucking respect this, for you. Like, that's the part that pissed me off. Typical production yeah. supervisor, you know? They got a budget. And yeah. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to need an alter care. for the truth. But that's like one of the, you know, many startling revelations in your podcast is the detectives, you know, the, the corrupt Chicago cops at the time who were investigating Gacy planted evidence. So right. what, what did they plant? So the most famous piece of evidence in the Gacy case, and it wasn't even the Chicago cops. It was displaying oh, yeah. the Chicago yeah. cops. Their, their biggest foible is they didn't give a fuck. They didn't investigate Gacy at all. They, they could have stopped him right after the third guy was killed. If they would have done any, any amount of police work. Like, so I, I fucking just roast the Chicago police <laughs> like, yeah. like completely in my podcast because they were completely negligent and it was, it was almost criminal what they were doing. I mean, they just, well, they were, so their indifference was disgusting. So um, I end up uh, like, so essentially the, the main piece of evidence and the way that the story goes, and I'll try to thumbnail this for you. So the, when the last victim goes missing, this great looking kid, Rob Peast, you know, and, and he goes missing from this pharmacy, it becomes clear to everybody involved, especially the cops and, and peace family, that it was this guy Gacy because he was the last guy like Rob peace leaves out of the pharmacy saying, mom, I go talk to this contractor about a job. Everyone knows that that guy was Gacy. Was Gacy, Gacy had just walked out of the pharmacy. Yeah. No one saw him get into Gacy's car. No one saw him getting out of, of his vehicle at Gacy's house. No one, you know, they don't. 
So beyond just kind of that circumstantial evidence that, that Rob left the pharmacy at nine and that they knew that he, they were going, that he was going to talk to with Gacy at that point, it becomes clear that Gacy's the guy. And then, so they start this 10 day, 24 seven surveillance on Gacy, but they can't get anything. And they, and they originally searched the house the day after peace goes missing, they get a warrant based on the fact circumstantially that it's evident that peace clearly was with this guy and now he's vanished off the face of the earth. So they don't find anything on the 13th. Like, so that that's where my first red flag like flies because I'm an attorney. I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm a criminal defense guy. I'm looking through the property evidence log, which I, which I was not supposed to have. This thing should have been in the fucking circular file. It, it should have been like trash, but somehow it still existed. And I don't see this most famous piece of, of evidence that they have, which is, this photo receipt that one of Rob's coworkers claims that, that she was wearing Rob's coat because it was a brutal winter in Chicago. She worked the register up front. She, Rob's jacket was sitting right there. She said she put it on because when people would come in and out of the pharmacy, you know, this is pre revolving doors. Yeah. It was like, you know, the door would open yeah. fucking big cold blast would come in. She's like, it was freezing. So I had Rob's jacket in. And the story was that she had gone back and she had developed film like old school style back when we used to have to actually develop shit, you know, it like wasn't digital cameras. You had to take a roll of film, you'd put it in an envelope, you'd fill out the envelope, tear off the receipt. And in two weeks, you come back with your receipt and they give you your pictures, man. So the story was that she had stuck that receipt in Rob's pocket and that during the certain, and then the story became that on the search of the 13th, that they found that photo receipt in John Wayne Gacy's kitchen garbage, which was their direct link that Rob Peast had been in his house, which allowed them to then go and get the second search warrant. Like without that receipt, there is no second search warrant without the second search warrant. The federal case that was going to be heard two days after Gacy ended up getting arrested, which the entire purpose of that was to stop the surveillance and he was going to win. Because yeah. they had been following him for 10 fucking days and didn't find anything. They had nothing new on him. So what, that would have killed the investigation. So what you have is a cop who knows that Gacy's the guy. You have a mother in Mrs. Peace that knows Gacy's the guy. And they didn't have the evidence to get him. And at that point, they had no idea he was a serial killer. Yeah. You know, I mean, they may have liked him for like one dude, like because they had found the class ring in there that wasn't clearly wasn't Peace. And they found a bunch of other weird shit, but they didn't know that he was Gacy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was also Wiley, like an upstanding member of the community. Totally. You know, a children's guy, performer, dude, you know, clown. He was a su super success. Like, yeah. if you were to put, like, 78 money to, like, 2022 20, money, guy was probably making, a, like, a million a year. Like, he was yeah. super successful at what he was doing, man. And, and like, highly respected by everyone in the community. He was the, the Democratic precinct captain. He was involved. You know, there's that famous picture with him and fucking uh, Rosalind Carter. You know, all that shit exists. I mean, the guy on his face looked like an, a, an incredibly upstanding dude, you know? So that, that's why I'm saying, like, the federal court would have been looking at all that and been like, you fucking, you've been following this guy 24-7, ruining his fucking business and, like, harassing the fuck out of him. You've got no evidence. We're shutting yeah. it down. Yeah. So they were desperate. And, and so that's and like on the 19th of December is when the whole plan was hatched. And basically what they do is they go to Kim Byers, who had not put the receipt in, in Rob's pocket, but had it. And they, they put together that that was how they could get a link between Gacy and, and wow. 
peace. They went to her and said, look, if you want to get the guy that killed your friend, we need, we need that photo receipt because they had gone earlier in the day and checked the logbook because she had told Mrs. Peace a day earlier, you know, cause Mrs. Peace is like, I need you to think of every single thing that you can think of at this point. We're, we're desperate. Every detail, it doesn't matter how small or how big it is. We want to hear it. So Kim tells her, he's like, well, I did develop films. So from her just making that statement, that's where they came with the plan. So they go, they verify in the logbook that she did in fact turn in film and then they approach her and they say, we just need that receipt. We're going to take care of the rest. And so then it becomes because like, it, like, and I asked all these cops, I'm like, if you guys had found that receipt in the garbage on the 13th, what would have been the first thing you would have done? Like any cop. Well, that's the pharmacy that the kid went missing from. Yeah. I mean, we it's such a late. garbage. We would have gone immediately to late. Nissan pharmacy to see yeah. who the fuck turned the film in. If it's, if it's Gacy, not a big deal. If it's Rob Peace, a huge deal. If Kim Byers, huge deal, you know? So, and that just yeah. never happened, you know? So yeah, it was crazy, dude. Like, I mean, we just changed the narrative of the case and it's like, I'm, I'm still waiting for the world to like actually get the story. It's still like, see, like, I mean, our, our audience is pretty, pretty good sized, but it like the story still has not gotten out. Yeah. I'm like, surprised it's still, it hasn't broken. It. I'm surprised. Yeah. True crime magazines aren't knocking at your door. It's because they they don't they don't know it exists yet. It's still like it's still a secret. You know, you guys know how it is. It's like like my audience is built from social media and me fucking begging people to listen to the show on fucking true crime like Facebook groups and shit. You know, and then word of mouth. You never know. You never know what could go viral. Um, totally. Was it a risky gambit yeah. though? What the police were doing, like, yeah, they're trying to oh find God. Rob. But well, it, if it had come it, out at the time, wouldn't it have been like a mistrial? And Gacy would have, if they hadn't it, it found been, bodies, it would have been way worse than a mistrial. It would right. Have, everything would have been like he would have walked. Because yeah. remember, it, it would have been it would have been double jeopardy. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to come back. Like he, they would have suppressed. They would have had to have suppressed all the evidence. And like that's and I go into great detail, like how that works through the legal system with fruit of the poisonous tree, where if they violate somebody's Fourth Amendment rights, which would have been the case. But on top of it, there was police malfeasance and misconduct to the the worst extent. Like there's nothing worse than cops planting evidence. It's like abhorred. So like the the judge, because I I contend that that Garippo, who was the trial judge, would have said, fuck you to the cops. He's like, you guys fucked this up. I'm not going to be the asshole that lets this guy walk out the door. I'm going to let the appellate court do it. And he would have kicked it. And the appellate court would have had no choice. Some people have argued, Oh, you know, they would have, I'm like, no, they wouldn't have been able to figure it out. It's like, once it became clear that the evidence had been planted, there's no figuring it out. And then everything is tossed, everything, everything before and everything after. So all because Casey, because you have to look at it as a, a, but for event, but for the, the warrant getting served and them finding the bones on the 22nd Gacy is then not giving the statements, the five statements where he basically gets them to attribute the five bodies in the rivers that, that they found, you know, because like people were, what about the bodies in the river? I'm like, no, man, the only reason they knew about those because Gacy mm-hmm. told them in his confessions after he's arrested, after they found the first bones in his basement, then he starts spilling his guts. All that's gone. So like, like when we figured it out, we didn't know how to go about it. Cause some, we figured some people would be like, fuck him, man. It's Gacy. It doesn't fucking yeah. matter. He's a fucking <laughs> piece of shit scumbag. He just, and all that's true, but the constitution matters. Like it, yeah. it just does. We don't get to pick and choose who the fuck it applies to. It applies to everybody all the time, you know? So, and, and, and beyond that, I, I, 
I decided, I'm like, look, we're going to have to have this. It's a cautionary tale. They were so close to fucking that case up. Like to the, to the extent where Bill Kunkel's having to go to these families and saying like, Oh my God, like, I'm, I'm so sorry that, you know, uh, we fucked this case up and like, he's literally going to walk, you know, I mean, could you imagine being the lead prosecutor having to tell these families that oh and he God. had no idea because yeah. he wasn't involved with the case for the first 10 days. That was Terry Sullivan, who of course I could not get on the pod, which now we know why you know, I could not get Kim Byers on the pod. Like she refused. Like I was trying from the get, which now I know why, Yeah. you know, after we found out the real story, then it, it made sense why they wouldn't come on. And Kunkel came on. He's like, I don't fuck. He's like, yeah, I'll come on. You know, what, what was your father's reaction when you told him this, this, you know, this he revelation? didn't even understand it. Like he, he, he couldn't like, he was having like an incredibly hard time processing what the fuck That's I was mind saying. blowing. Yeah. So then I, I literally had to sit down with them and I pulled out the property evidence log. I'm like, dad, like this is a die. Cause what I kept saying in the pod, when we first discovered is like, how the fuck did my dad miss us? Yeah. That's, you know, that's like what I, I was just, wondering. I didn't get it. Like I, I was yeah. like, my, I know my dad to be an amazing fucking attorney and super thorough. I've tried cases with him. I know how his mind works. I know what he does. And it, it made no sense. And then finally, when I sat him down and we were back, we were towards the end of the pod. And I was like, this mm. is the document. I'm like, this is the thing that I keep telling you about. This is the property evidence log from the evidence tech who did not work with Desplaines. He was from Cook County Sheriff Police, completely different agency. So he's the guy that follows the cops around during the first search and writes down everything that they find. Like, so when, when you know, God forbid cops ever search your house, they're going to have a guy named, you know, that's going to be an evidence tech or a girl that's going to be following the cops around with everything they find. If they find something in your garbage, they're going to take a photograph of it. They're going to bag it. They're going to tag it and they're going to label where it's going to go. Like, that's yeah. just how it goes. You're creating the, the, the chain of evidence with that so that, you know, like, and, and it, that's done for everybody's benefit. So, you know, where evidence came from and everywhere down the road where it's gone and whose hands it's touched so that you know that it hasn't been tampered with because otherwise w- without a chain of custody, h- how the fuck do you know What's what came link? from where and exactly. who's touched it? And, you know, I mean, it's so it's, it's vital. Like the whole system falls apart if there's no chain of custody. So I show them this document and the property seats not on there because it wasn't there, you know? So, and, and my dad's like, I never saw this document. So that explained it to me. So like, it was as simple as because the way it works is when the cops are doing their investigation, they're creating reports after the fact. All right. So like they go out, they do a search they take notes or if they're doing a witness interview, they take notes. And at some point they memorialize it in a police report. And at some point, if somebody's arrested, those police reports get tendered to the state's attorney. And then the state's attorney then goes through them with a fine tooth comb. And ultimately those are handed over to the defense in discovery. All right. So what happened here is Cook County Sheriff's police, when they sent their reports to displays because they didn't send their their reports to the state's attorney. They sent them to the the agency that they were assisting, which was displays. Cozen's act, the lieutenant, the obsessed cop, just pulled mm. his fucking report right out because he had already prepared his own property evidence sheet. Wow, where he where he injects the photo receipt and says, "I." And he claims in his book, like I like I was trying not to use any second source material, but I had to use Cozen's act's book because he's dead. And like in his book, he claims he's like, I personally, the only piece of evidence that I found in the entire case was the photo receipt shining like a piece of gold in Gacy's fucking (sighs) kitchen garbage. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, it was it was insane. Too good to be true. I I was like, 
So ultimately, I finally got my father to understanding it. And he was like, holy shit, man. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like it, it was changes it was the crazy, whole case. Man. I mean, it's it's such a narrative like like I've never heard of like a, such an old case that's been like, you know, 50 documentaries. And books I was about to and say analyze. Like, so it's like to yeah. uncover something like yeah. that was just crazy to me. So. I'm still blown away by it. (laughs) One of the things I really love about your podcast is how much you're revealing about like the victims and especially like unknown stuff about the victims too. That And that was the thing, Kate. I was like going in. I'm like, I am not making this fucking thing about Gacy. It's like, that's been done ad nauseum. I'm sick of hearing all that shit. It's like, it's like, like everything is like a long news article about Gacy. He, you know, he lived in Iowa. He yeah. owned the fucking, you know, he was managing Kentucky Fried Chickens. He got the side, you know, it's like the same shit over and over. I'm like, no, it's like, you know what? I've never heard about in the 40 years. And, I, and I'm close to the cases, the fucking victims. Yeah. I don't know anything about any of these victims except for Robert Peace. Yeah. So we went in with a concerted effort that we were going to really, really focus on the victims finally. And it so happened that we were probably about 15 episodes in when I found out that a, another Chicago cat um, named David Nelson had been working on this book for like eight years called uh, boys entered the house. And it was fucking amazing. Like, cause it was all about the victims. He was like, he had the same idea, but he had been working on it for a decade, like interviewing like all the living family members of all the victims that he could find to finally tell their story. So I immediately hunt this guy down. I'm like, dude, I'm like, like I'm doing in my pod what like you just did in your book and I will promote the fuck out of your book on my pod. But I want to I, I want some of those stories, the pod, man. And he was kind enough to allow me to draw from some of his materials because it was very important to me to memorialize who these who these kids were, man, yeah. you know, because it's just never been done. And it's like 33 lives lost, man. And they when, were just when you spider web that out yeah. is yeah. like just thousands and thousands of people that have been affected by those those kids being and murdered largely you know? nameless so, like people don't even know who these victims are yeah for the i know most part. and some of them are still totally. un- uh, unidentified do you think correct the, is it yeah. far now there's still because i know in october of 2021 they they identified one of them so is there far to go right. there's yeah, there's five there's five left so five. yeah like francis alexander was like That's um it. the most recent one and like immediately, like, so Darren and I snuck into that press like that when, when they <laughs> identified the body and they made the announcement that they identified a Gacy, like, so I snuck in with my producer into that press conference. Cause I'm like, I'm asking questions, you know, I'm, I'm getting into this fucking thing. Cause I'm, I'm like actually the only person that's actually talking about these victims. So we get in there and, you know, I immediately go up to the girl from, um, her name's Karen Binder, fucking great chick. And she works with DNA Doe Project. And I'm like, you guys do fucking amazing work. Like, I, I'm just like blown away by what you guys do. Cause they do the genealogical DNA stuff, like where it's like, they're taking family trees and mixing it with DNA. It's like fucking like the coolest sleuthing shit that I've ever heard of. And like, I'm like a huge fan of the work that they do. And it's super important shit, man. It's like. So I told her, I was like, I need you on my podcast and you do explain what you guys do. And I want, you know, I want, I want you guys getting some publicity in my pod because your, your work's super important. And I think that people need to, to be aware of what you're doing because mm. they're, you know, they're a not-for-profit man, you know, so they, oh. they rely on the, the exposure, yeah, of us, yeah. you know, uh, as citizens to fucking help fund them. So, and, and she was awesome and I, she just fucking crushed it explaining how they do it. And, you know, so, 
I end up going back to the Cook County Sheriff um, who's handling like the unidentified victims. I'm like, why the fuck haven't you just handed over everything? Cause they can, they can use trace DNA now. They yeah. don't need like a, like they can use a completely degraded DNA sample and, and yeah. get it done. And I'm like, why, why are you sitting on these fucking five, you know, these five unidentified victims, you know, samples? Like, why don't you just turn them all over? Like, why are you slow playing this? I don't get it. So, you know, and I, I was, I was shitty like that about it because I, it, it's fucking irritating to me. So like what we're going to end up doing is we're, we're doing a part two to Gacy. That's great. Because we believe there's more victims that are, we're not only unidentified, but more victims out there. Um, and we think that we know where they are. And, and so like I created like this incredible relationship with this old Chicago cop who was like, if like all cops were like this guy, Bill Dorsch, like we'd be living in a much different society. Like this guy was like literally like a good guy cop, like fucking clean. He's just a fucking amazing guy. And, and like he, he got run out of the police force um, for a multitude of reasons. It was all because he was a good cop. You know, yeah. like he was exposed. He was like a whistleblower type guy. Like these guys are, you know, he'd be like, these guys are fucking pieces of shit. And so he, he was whistleblowing on cops. So obviously they ran him out of the business and he's like literally living in Bulgaria right now. Um, you know, but he reached out to me during the pod and he's like, I fucking love your podcast, man. He's like, I like, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for 20 years for somebody to actually do what you're doing. So he's, he's going to be my, my, like my fucking right hand on this oh, that's the whole be, second that's season great. With, with us uncovering everything we can about that so case. Is, is the second season going to get more into the theory that Gacy basically had accomplices? Totally. I mean, with the, 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 look, I'm very clear on the pod that, that Rossi and Cram were complicit with them. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, like, like I, I mince no words. Like every, everyone else has been afraid to talk about Mike Rossi. Like, like in two of the books that were written, like they use pseudonyms for the guy because apparently his grandfather was a guy named Vito Marzullo, who was old oh. man daily, the original daily, the, the fucking democratic machine daily yeah. back in the, the mayor. 70, you know, yeah. Yeah. Mayor daily mayor who daily. fucking was the most powerful democratic mayor in the country at the time. Um, apparently Mike Rossi's grandfather was his right-hand man. So he was protected to the extent where no one was going to fuck with them. So we don't give a fuck and we're going to fuck with them. Like we, we called him he's like, yeah, I want 50 grand. I'm like, you think I'm going to pay you 50 grand for you to come out of my podcast and deny everything? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, fuck you, man. And there was a pedophile like, ring at the time. Wasn't there in yeah. Chicago that yeah. they Gacy was involved with? Totally. I mean, because like, so when we started the pod, Tracy Ullman, who had dropped uh, The Devil in Disguise like the year before on Peacock, and she has always been of the mindset that Gacy was part of a much bigger um, child sex trafficking ring. Like that has always been her thing. Because you have this John David Norman guy who was like a known child trafficker back then. Like yes. they the pedophile. They walked yeah. into, yeah, dude, like he, he was a fucked up cat. Um, and they, they like when they when he was arrested, they found like 30 filing cabinets that had like filled front to back with like dossiers of kids that they were trafficking. So like this guy was like an arch fucking criminal. So Tracy has always been and he was a Chicago guy. And then there's this other link to this guy named Phil Paskey, who's dead now. Um, and Phil Paskey was a, a right hand man of John David Norman. And then you've got. David Cram, who was fucking one of Gacy's little lackeys. You have Mike Rossi and, and David Cram. 
Cram and Paskey had a like a known relationship yeah. in terms of like fucking with each other. So like you have these like incredibly close links and, and like I was telling Tracy, I'm like the problem. It's like I, I'm not discrediting that as a theory, but the problem is I'm like super fact driven. And I, I don't know that there's going to be any way that I can ever prove that, you know, um, in terms of him being a part of that sex trafficking ring. Whereas as far as Rossi goes, man, um, you can't like both Cram and Rossi. So Gacy's most, at least that we know of his most active period in killing uh, was like 77 to 78, like from mid 76, like as soon as he divorced his wife, Carol, and she was out of the house, he fucking went nuts. Oh, like, he did. He killed like he killed like 22, 22 of them from that. Like, Sometimes that two period. in one evening. As a, I yeah. mean, now he's got the house to himself. You know, right? <laughs> Why exactly. not? It's a fucking free for all <laughs> up in there. Well, we say he has the house to himself, but the reality is that Rossi lived with them for mm, yeah. four of the months, and then Cram lived with them separately after Rossi moved out for another. So during his most his most active killing period these two fucking guys lived in the house with them and Gacy always killed at night. Like he was fucking yeah. like he was going out and trolling at one in the morning and his kill time was like four to five in the morning. So he'd, he'd get them back to the house. They'd get fucked up and he'd either kill them and then have sex with them or, you know, get them constrained with the yeah, rope trick exactly. or the handcuff trick and then have sex with them and then kill them. So it was like, I, like there, there's just a 0% chance that, that, that brought in i i think it's beyond that like i, I think that cram and rossi actually were beyond complicit in, in not just they were accomplices i think that there are probably a few victims that they actually killed themselves do you think justice was served by gacy's execution absolutely, absolutely. and do, do you I recall mean, like, like, when... i've always said that he was the post like i'm i'm an anti-death penalty guy yeah um in general because i think that you know basically we're lowering ourselves to the level of the killers Mm. by you know just killing them but you know i mean in terms of any if anybody deserved the death penalty that fucking guy did because like to me he was the scariest motherfucker on the planet because like you could talk about btk and (laughs) ted bundy none of them were as normalized as gacy was completely none of them were like this guy was like super stealth because he on his face was so fucking normal and he just had this like alter ego, like this fucking dark terrifying side beyond. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy was like an apex predator, like of the, the worst kind. D- uh, do you recall when he was executed? I do. I do. It was actually, uh, oddly enough, it was May 10th of 1994, which he ended up not getting executed until like after the clock struck I remember uh, midnight. So it was actually May 11th, which, ha- which happens to be my father's birthday. So oh, wow. there was a bit of irony in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my dad did not go. Yeah. I was wondering if your father and my attended. Old man were invited to the, um, to the execution, you know, and my dad's like, that's, you know, as horrible as he was, he's my client, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go watch them fucking execute my client, you know? Cause I mean, from a defense attorney's perspective, you know, I mean, deserved or not, you know, he had, they had a job to do it. And I, I think that, that I you know, my that. father, as much as he hated Gacy, um, you know, he also believed that he was sick, you know, and that he was, it was a compulsion that he couldn't control himself and he couldn't comport to the law. I think my father believed that, you know, and um, I mean, frankly, out of anybody on the planet that would know that it would probably be him because he he'd spent more time with Gacy where Gacy was quasi confessing to what he had been doing you know what i mean it's like 
you know, aside from the, the psychiatrist that they hired in order to, you know, put forward the insanity defense mm -hmm. who spent, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours with them, you know, but, but Gacy always had an agenda there, you know, like Gacy was a smart fucking guy. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. And he, he was always trying to be the smartest guy in the room because he always thought he was the smartest guy in the room, you know? So he always played that game, yeah. you know, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a, it was an interesting case, man. You know, it, it was, um, <laughs> like we got one review with some woman. She's like, I love the podcast until, until like Bob said that he like actually believed that he was insane. I was like, well, number one, I never said that, you know, but I mean, in number two, I mean, it's disingenuous for any of us to sit there, you know, like, cause it's different thinking, did he get what he deserved? Yes. But can we really say that he wasn't broken in some way? I mean, that's it, a, it's just not, you're not being a genuine person if you're saying that there wasn't something massively exactly. fucked up with that guy. Well, oh, that was, you know? yeah. Bob, yeah. you know, I admire your show because you're doing something different. You know, you're rewriting the narrative. And I don't think anyone's done that. that. You know, and, uh, that, you know, we're looking forward to part two. So people check out the Defense Diaries podcast on uh, any of the podcast listening platforms. Uh, you can also go to uh, defensediariespodcast.com. Um, yep. Bob, we'll, we'll put up a link for sure. Thanks for being on the show, man. Dude, thanks for having me and thanks for letting me ramble because, uh, you know, like I, I can go for hours. So oh, I love <laughs> it's it. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Without letting you guys get a word in edgewise. So I appreciate <laughs> no, the time, man. It. And I appreciate y'all uh, listening to the show as well. All right. Thanks a lot. And have a great Memorial Day. You too, man. Stay safe. You know, I'm amazed his podcast hasn't blown up within the true crime community. I think it will. I think it, it's just going to take time and then it will be it'll be huge again and everyone will be talking about you know like we're all at the start of it now and six months time from now people will be turning around going i already knew that well, i well, heard that well that's the thing i mean i think a lot of people when they start a podcast you think oh, i'm just gonna put up the podcast and you know he has some explosive information that's never been heard before but you still got to promote it it's it's a lot of work you got to go on social media do all the shit that we do you every week for for our podcast and you know i mean who knows i mean i've always say like shove it up a flagpole see who salutes it and that's kind of what he's doing it's such a good podcast it's gonna go really far i think but i just feel with the subject matter and the way it's presented is you know like a serious podcast you know with a uh, you know a defense attorney this is well researched you think this would be a series like like on hulu or amazon or something Coming soon, maybe. Yeah, I'm not surprised though. Netflix passed on the story. Uh, personally, I don't think their executives make very informed decisions. I as fucking to their, their content. I hate whenever anyone sends me like the Netflix true crime docs and said, "Have you seen this yet?" It's like, no, I don't watch them. I think they're all fucking a pile of shit. I just don't find them very engaging. I find them just kind of superficial. They are, and it's and then they 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 kind of add a lot of fluff to kind of uh, push out the series so they can have like twelve episodes. And that annoys me no end. Yeah, because I think if they went through and actually edited it properly, it would probably be three. It's not like they could ever do, and like, you know, it's like the Ted Bundy mentioning he was a necrophiliac once, or the Jeffrey Dahmer. They're not going to talk about, like, him fucking all these boys. Because well, they've got shit to sell. That doesn't sell anything. Yeah, I mean, not only do they have shit to sell, and they do their market research and all that, but they have, like, you know, a production schedule and a budget and all that. And so when they find something that's, you know, some mind-blowing details... You know, like evidence having been planted in Gacy's home. They're like, 
Yeah, we've already shot like, you know, 60% of it, 70% of it. So we're just going to keep going. So uh, you, you can keep that explosive information that no one's ever heard about that changes the entire you know, narrative of this case to yourself. Yeah, we filmed it, boys. <laughs> we, we already filmed yeah, most of it. It's in the can. So that just kind of shows they don't really give a shit about the subject matter. No, of course Or the of quality of their content. And of course I'm not surprised they're imploding. Yeah, good. I don't know if you saw they laid off like 300 people. Yeah, I've, you know, every month I wrestle with should I delete Netflix or should I not delete Netflix? But I'm every month also getting closer to just saying goodbye to it forever. Yeah, I was reading that, because uh, you know, Ricky Gervais just did that special Supernature. Oh, yeah, I need to And watch I guess it. There's a, he's catching a lot of flack and criticism. I heard, I don't know, I read it and there's some speculation that Netflix is, was fired 300 people of their woke employees. Oh, I'm going to work at Netflix now then. <laughs> it's my type of crowd. <laughs> I'll be there with them. But seriously, I do think this John Wayne Gacy uh, story, you know, will be picked up by a streaming service in the near future. I hope so. And I really hope it doesn't impact, you know, uh, the, the part two where he's discussing about the accomplices Gacy might have had. Yeah, and the, and the pedophile ring. And the, and the pedophile ring, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, that's that's... Some interesting shit. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by it. And that guy was really cool. Bob is great. Yeah, Bob's a cool guy. People go check out the Defense Diaries podcast. Uh, we got some phone calls coming up next. Um, you can give us a call, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from adamneve.com. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad, let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code, Diddle. D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a couple phone calls to get to. Uh, people, like I said last week, we need your phone calls. Give us a call. We're, we're stockpiling it right now. I want to build a backlog of uh, good calls. So... If you were injured recently, especially a horrific injury, give us a call. If uh, you had a sexual mishap, definitely give us a call. Um, drug story. You know, we, we always appreciate a good drug story. Yeah. And once again, I don't even know the last time uh, we got a good uh, fecal tale. That's a good point. I think that's been a while, too. Especially any women who have ever shit their boyfriend or husband's bed as a revenge tactic. That's what I want to hear. 323-522-4032 or email us, cigarunpodcast.gmail.com. Um, this first call, uh, actually, I think came in on Facebook. This guy uh, sent a message to Kate inquiring about my new tea I just made at the tea public store. Uh, my uh, MAGA tea. I made a MAGA tea. His version. My <laughs> version of a MAGA tea. Hello, Kate. I was just listening to the um, extra show <laughs> and Dee was talking about the new T-shirts. You said about getting a, a make abortion great again for your kids. I've got a two-year-old daughter and I straight away went on because I wanted to get her one. 
and I can't see how to get them for kids. It only comes in small, you know, all that shit for adults. Is it possible to get one for a two-year-old? Because that would make me very happy. It'd be hilarious to walk around with that one. Because in all honesty, I, I, like, I wish I took your advice. I wish I aborted all my bloody kids. <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> I like how he's saying that just after like the, the kids too. Yeah, like I was like, I wish I'd done that with all my kids. How many do you have, sir? Do you yeah, have like I eight of them? I also want to know how many parents feel exactly the same. I think everyone has a bit of regret about their children. Yeah, I wonder at what point, you know, in your kid's life that you're just up at night being like, fuck, I wish I would have boarded that. Yeah, or I just wish I could just leave and never come back. <laughs> um, yeah, just abandon your kids. I think about that about my cat almost like every day. Oh, I think that about your cat I would have well. aborted him for sure. Yeah, well, he looks like an abortion. He does look like he survived an abortion <laughs> attempt. Yeah. <laughs> got, got drunk, went roller skating, fell down, and I had him. And that's your son. That's what happened. That's my son. Yeah, Kate hates my son. Well, he fucking loves me. <laughs> Well, news to you. He's your son now, too. He's my stepson. So that basically guarantees that I will never love him to my fullest ability, just like any other step-parent. It's a lie when they say, I love you just as much as my child. <laughs> no, you he don't. He loves you. He loves anyone who looks at him. Uh, he really loves you, though. I mean, he, like, grabs your uh, tatas. He does grab my tatas. He loves to grab your tatas. And my hair. He loves to grab your hair. He um, likes to spend time just sitting on your lap. Yeah, he sits with me. He doesn't sit with you. No, never. He sleeps with you, though. Occasionally, he'll sleep down by my feet. Yeah, because I get angry. Because you try to kick him off the bed. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, that being said, um, dude, the, the T-Public Store is like, you, you can get all sorts of merch with the uh, Make Abortion Great Again you can slogan. Get cups. Yeah, you stickers, get cups. You oh, get a uh, wall art. Yeah, there's wall art, there's stickers, there's there's no hats, which I find regrettable. Oh, that's annoying. There's baseball tees. There is kids' tees. Yeah, Because I bought Shmooley a kid's t-shirt um, of the sick and wrong, and Shmooley wore it. So the, the best way to do is click on the shirt. Like, you go to the site. I mean, you can go to sickandwrongpodcast.com. Go to shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. You go to our tea public store. Click on the picture of the Make, a Great, Make Abortion Great Again shirt. And then scroll down and you'll see other make more make abortion great again products. And there you'll see it. You, you can get a mask, uh, you can get a mug, and then you get a kid's t-shirt. And they make uh, several sizes. They have like uh, ages one to three. You know, I think uh, they go to premium toddler. I, I think that's like a fat kid. Um, <laughs> premium toddler. You get youth sizes, two through 12. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, the, uh, the premium youth, which is also a fat kid. So you could go buy that. Just you go get it. Um, and I think the uh, kids tees are a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Well, they should be. There's less material. Yeah. Apart from for the premium kids. But I do find that amazing. Please buy that for your daughter and, and, uh, record it, do a video of it and send it into sick and wrong. I'll post it to the Instagram page. Cause I would love to see the reaction of the, uh, the people in the but shopping mall or, or a grocery store that you take your kid to. Yeah, and also I'd like to see the reaction of the real MAGA people when they see what the T-shirt yeah, says. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one of my better designs. Selling like hotcakes, I tell you. Aren't you going to put up a Bukaki T-shirt as well? Well, I have one. I, I had the, uh, it just says enjoy Bukaki in the Coke font. Yeah, you're going to put that on I had it in my Redbubble store, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't really checked up on that. I'll, I'll put it on T-Public. Why yeah, not? Yeah, why not? Okay. By popular demand. <laughs> um, 
All right, yeah, yeah. Go get go get a mega shirt. Thank you uh, for supporting the show. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to I want to get a video. I want to I want to post a reel of this. All right, that's my new thing. I post Posting reels. reels. I yeah. post reels because yeah, I'm like a millennial. You're hip. You're down I'm, with the I'm kids. I'm hip. I'm cool. I'm 47 years old. You're not. Oh, I thought you were 48. 47. What? 47. I'm, I'm 37. Yeah. Jesus. I'm a millennial. God. Um, yeah, but you're I'm not as hip and cool as me. No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Being a millennial, though, it's where my slightly irritating side comes from. Yeah, that can be. I often try to find out like what to attribute that to. It's the millennial. No, I thought it was your time of the month. Um, moving on. <laughs> going to talk about that on the second show. <laughs> oh, we got a call here from Atheist Preacher. Nice. I haven't heard him, from him AP. in a while. Hey, Brother D, Mr. Kate. This is Atheist Preacher. Uh, heard you were having some uh, little difficulties collecting some calls. Uh, Technical difficulties. That's that's what's going on here. Technical difficulties. Yeah, we can't perform on this show unless we get your calls. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I figured I'd call in uh, with a gross story from work. Nice. Uh, people on the Discord, I know that I'm a... Uh, no longer driving big trucks. I'm now picking up uh, dead people for funeral homes. Uh, and like, Whoa, when did you start doing this, atheist preacher? He suits this job, can I say. There's some great pictures of him that his wife took of him. He fucking suits this job. What do you wear? Does he wear like a suit, like a black suit? He's just like dressed smart. Yeah, but I mean, are you wearing all black? Are you looking, you know... Why does he have to wear black? This isn't the Victorian era, do you? You know, bringing out the dead. You gotta go, uh... You gotta go goth. A plague mask on as well. That's what you... That's why they would never give you this job. I would do. You'd rock up. There'd be ministry playing. You'd get out. You'd be like, let's get this all wearing all black? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how many people, or have you picked up anyone that uh, autoerotically asphyxiated themselves? Yeah. Has anyone died of a weird wank? Because that'd be amazing. That's what I'd want to know. Oh, and also, have you picked up anybody that you've known? Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question, too. You know, I remember years ago, Bob Madigan had a party. I know I, I probably was recording the podcast when this party happened, so I probably discussed it then. But he had a, uh, a friend who was a, I guess, a crime scene photographer for the Detroit police. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and so his friend was visiting in San Francisco and decided to give everyone a slideshow. This is the best party ever. Oh, no, it was amazing. And everyone at first was all stoked about it. But then slowly but surely, like, the room just cleared out. It was just me and Bob and this guy. And me, I would have fucking been there. You would have loved it, yeah. I've been like, we're going to do a book, buddy. I remember my girlfriend at the time was like, I'm going to go smoke after uh, he had some pictures of uh, this, this couple in Detroit had a newborn that they left home with their pit bull and they went to the bar. And when they came back, the people eaten the head off the newborn. Just the head. Just the head. It's the tastiest, Mr. Divine a picture of this headless uh, baby's corpse. And then they cut open the dog. And the head and they And they pulled out the eyeballs and the little nose. And the va- this is like Jaws. baby lips. This is like the really, really, really terrifying I was horrified. And then this other set of pictures he had was a kid was found uh, hanging in his room. Weird um, one king. Yeah, wearing his mother's lingerie and with a champagne enema hanging out of his ass. Yeah, no, that's a lie. Not lying. Really? Not lying. He had pictures of it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and so this guy was like, yeah, I was on the crime scene, and people had to you know, go in there and pick up the body and all that. 
And I was just like, what was the sentiment? You know, what was the overall feeling at the time? Because, well, you know, at first everyone was kind of in this grave, like serious mood. But as soon as the parents left, everyone was laughing. What I'd want to know is... A lot of jokes is, going around. When they took the champagne bottle out of his ass, did champagne just like spill? It wasn't, it wasn't a champagne bottle. It was an enema bag filled with champagne. Oh, right. That's so funny. That he shot up the champagne up his ass. Oh, my God. That's an expensive enema. You can't be doing that type of enema every time. It's a sexy enema. It's a very sexy one. Yeah. It's something I'm thinking that I might do for you on Valentine's Day. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, atheist preachers, we want to hear about these sexy enemas. <laughs> For the medical examiner and shit, uh, and a couple weeks back, and probably a couple, probably about a month back, we go and uh, get this call uh, about a, a junkie died died uh, in his hotel room. Uh, we get there, he's covered in vomit, intubated, all of that shit, you know ugly fucking scene, and, um, his, his fiance's there, his sister's there, you know, they're all, they're all everybody's showing up. I thought he said Beyonce was there. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like, why was she there? <laughs> to give her final respects and well wishes even, to the yeah. junkie. It's odd. <laughs> the junkie was listening to Crazy in Love as <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. his last <laughs> song. I think it was fiance. <laughs> and the, the quote-unquote fiancé is just fucking having a goddamn hissy fit and, you know, saying, oh, leave it, wants to leave his face uncovered. You know, sometimes when he put him on, they like to leave his face uncovered, you know. And we tell her, it's like, this dude's covered in vomit and, and you know, he's, he's not good-looking, right? <laughs> you know, he better wait. But he's no Johnny Depp. Wait a second. No, maybe he was, actually. <laughs> With the vomit? Like the vomit was still in his face? Yeah, he was covered in vomit. He hadn't and been cleaned up yet. she's making out with him. In front of everyone as well. Get a room, lady. Wow. Get a casket. Yeah. Get inside the casket with him. I hope he pulled out his phone and recorded that. Yeah, and then you could, he could send, send you it. Send it to me and, and I'll deal. make a reel out of it because I'm into reels these days. <laughs> I'm a hip millennial. <laughs> um, she gets done, right? And then, you know, she's talking to us, and she has vomit, <laughs> corpse vomit, around her mouth. Um, I think I'm getting here to three minutes, but point is, I'd let her know, hey, you got a little little thing on your, on your mouth there, and she just pushes it up, pushes it up into her mouth and just eats it. Ah! Fucking corpse vomit, man. And so far, that's the grossest shit I've... Uh, I've seen so far, man. All right. Adios. Lick my balls. I hope he, he had eaten some Taco Bell, at least something tasty. Corpse Vomit is going to be the name of my next band. <laughs> Corpse Vomit. Vomit. Why would you do that? I think she is also maybe on some drugs herself. I would say so if she's dating this guy. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. Gross. You know, it made me think when the, the, the ring of vomit around her mouth made me think of a story my brother told me. Um... He was at work. This is not his current bar that he's at. 
It was a bar that the, the bar they worked the edge previously. Right. And he said that um some some bar one of the bar newer bartenders came back and be like, There's a dude there in the bathroom like eating this guy's ass. And he was just like, Really? And then he and he's like, Should should I stop them? And he's like, I I don't know. I'm sure it's not gonna be on you know, they're not gonna go that long. And so I think Jeff just kind of like waited, but they it didn't. And the guy like came back, and Jeff knew the guy, oh, so no. he knew the guy that was eating some guy's ass because uh, I don't know he's a regular at the bar. And he comes up and he's just like, "Hey, Jeff, can I get a, you know a Jack and Coke?" And Jeff was like coming over, and he like leans forward to talk to him. He could just see a ring of brown oh. <laughs> <laughs> his mouth. Like, <laughs> did he say anything? I think he did. He's like, I, I think you got something on your lip there. Oh my god, that's, you got some fucking ass on your lip. Just no, this ring of brown, like a, a shit goatee. Oh, that's so disgusting. Oh uh, yeah, it was vile. Anyway, God, <laughs> atheist preacher. That that is a vile. I haven't I haven't heard a vile story like that in a while. Yeah, that was gross. I I'm gonna repeat it. that one. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want to hear more. I definitely. This is like uh, you know. This is kind of cool. I, I think I don't know if we were talking about it on the uh, second show, but I was talking about that guy Featherstone. Maybe it was last week. Featherstone. Um, no, it was last week when we were talking about the cremation. That's what he did. He picked up the bodies for the crematorium and for the medical examiner. I've always thought it'd be a good job being a body picker upper. I think you got to have a lot of upper body strength. Well, until the tendonitis, I did. Yeah, you know, yeah. I bet you probably could. And like you know, once you get them in the car, it's not like you have to be respectful to them. You can like be putting your cigarettes out on them. You can be spitting on them, hitting them with a rolled up newspaper, <laughs> calling them bad dogs. But odds are, like, how many sod busters do you think you're gonna get a week? Well, yeah, see, that would be the issue. I don't think I could pick up a sod buster, but I could pick up like a frail ninety year old lady and like not knock her head on anything. Maybe just don't do corpse retrieval in the Midwest. I think just do it on the coast. L.A. would be great to do corpse retrieval. Oh, L.A. would be fine. Yeah, it'd be so easy. And you might actually get some celebrity corpses. I would be so like tempted to take a picture or a video. Selfie. Selfies are a reel. Ooh, a reel. I like those. I like it. where you're going with this. Yeah, I would post a reel of it. I like the cut of your jib. Me and Angelina Jolie, but she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> would you make out with her barf mouth? No, I'm, I'm not into Angelina Jolie, dead or alive. I actually think she's more attractive dead. Then she's alive. I mean, she kind of looks like one of those plastic surgery disaster creatures. Sounded a bit deaf for AY I just said then. <laughs> like, it did sound gonna... a bit, that did sound a bit uh, uh, Amanda Heard. It's like I'm going to come for Angelina Jolie. She's you, Angelina, you've not offended me in any way apart from your shenanigans with Billy Bob because he is my other husband. <laughs> uh, people call the Sticker Wrong Hotline 323-522-4032. Um, if you haven't already signed up on the Patreon, I know we talk about it every week, but we do a full second show, a whole extra show. We call it second show, actually, because we're that creative. Um, but this week, uh, we discussed Kate's, um, uh, I, guess, I don't know if it's your first visit eating real Mexican food, was it? No, because we went to El Coyote, and I love Shit, it. I forgot about that. So your second experience eating real like Mexican food at a Mexican restaurant. I can now start to compare because I have a palate built up. Well, there's it's another exciting. one in the valley that we want to go to, Casa Vega, that I haven't been. Yeah. I haven't been to that one either. That's the one in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, and yeah. El Compadre's been in a lot of movies too. I did, yeah, we're going to um, talk about it in this extra. But yeah, El Compadre. One of my favorite Mexican restaurants. Kind of a bitch to get to these days after after COVID because they got weird hours, and you you gotta like it's it's hard to book a reservation there. It's it's kind of yeah it's a it's a bit of a bitch uh, post COVID, but I love the food and the atmosphere is great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and they got flaming margaritas, which we drank many. 
And I think that's why we're so hungover today. Um, but we get into that in the second show, as well as our trip to the pleasure chest. Um, I think I might get that boot butt plug that you were holding. Um, that was a dildo, dear. That was a boot. I thought that was a butt dildo. plug. No, it's a dildo. That was a dildo? Yeah. Well, I don't know. People, you can be the judge of that because I'm going to post the picture to Patreon. But I was thinking that was, it looked like a, I thought it was in the butt plug section. It was in the dildo section, wasn't it? I don't know. I, don't I was kind of drunk while we were in there. I was kind of wasted too. Yeah. But I remember it's like you're holding this, I think it was like a gun butt plug. I think that, that was, was the a butt gun plug. butt plug. And yeah. these like two like Italian, uh, maybe Spanish women came up and invited us to some like sexy party. They did. <laughs> we like, didn't go. Yeah, I was like, okay, maybe while waving the butt plug gun. <laughs> um, anyway, I want to get that for, I'm going to get the boot butt plug or dildo for my brother for his birthday. I think he'd appreciate it. Uh, we also chat about our excursion to Hollywood forever today. Got to see uh, Eddie Bunker's grave. Finally. Dee Dee Ramone's grave, which is weird because it was like it was clean. scrub clean of all the kisses. So I, there was no other kisses, so I gave him his first kiss. Usually that, that, that tombstone is just crawling with herpes. Um, I get to see Estelle Getty's grave, personal hero of mine. Um, and a lot of dead Jews with the first name Seaman <laughs> or uh, Hyman. <laughs> I don't nice know. to I don't meet get you. It. My I name's Seaman. I don't get why, like, there's a guy named, like, Seaman Lipman. It was just like, why? We had such a giggle over him and invented a whole backstory that I made us go back so we could put a pebble on his grave for, like, just the 10 minutes of sheer enjoyment that Seaman Lyman yeah, <laughs> name no, had it, given it, us. Yeah, so check it out. Second show. Do it every week. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot less structured than the main show. You know, we kind of, uh, you know, we, we, we hang up our hats. And We're a bunch of a chatty cafes. Get a little chatty, a little chatty. Um, and stick around Overkill, just for a few bucks more, um, you can get a, check out our, our mini episode. This week, uh, Kate did another installment of Killer Cooking. I did. Ed Gein's favorite dessert. Yeah, favorite food is what he asked for when he was being interrogated. What did did he ask for? Did he get executed? Was he executed? No, he went to, he rightly went to a mental institution and he lived there till he died. I mean, dear old Eddie didn't have a very high IQ. He wasn't like Gacy. He seemed a bit meant, a a bit off. There was something off kilter about him. You know, he used to, was the towns like, um, if you needed your kids looked after, you would just go and drop them off with Eddie. Would he, (laughs) he ran a babysitting service? Basically, yeah. But all the kids loved him because he had an IQ. Like some of those kids will have been more intelligent than he was. But I don't think he was. In, he wasn't a kitty fit fiddler. No, he wasn't fiddler, into the kids. He just liked women's skin. Yeah, he was into uh, large women, right? Any type of just skin he could get. I think he liked the large women because you get more skin of it, so you can make like more nipple belts and gloves, etc. Lampshades. At the uh, ten dollar level two, you get the Sigrong archives. The first ten years of the show, I recently spent a lot of time converting these to uh, to to uh, SoundCloud playlists. So I like uploaded. Every episode from seasons one through ten, the first ten years of Sick and Wrong on the SoundCloud playlist, um, you can uh, access it via Patreon or uh, the, directly off our own uh, off the SickandWrongPodcast.com website. But go to Patreon, Patreon.com/SickandWrong. Sign up today, support the show. We do appreciate it. And as I mentioned before, we do have a T Public uh, shop, and uh, 
I know they're, I think they are having a sale right now, $13 for a t-shirt. You're joking. Tee Public are having a sale. A very rare Memorial Day <laughs> sale. I am shocked yeah. and appalled. It's a, it's a very rare opportunity, so go take advantage. Buy yourself a, a Make Abortion Great Again tea. Actually, buy your child a Make, make Abortion Great Again tea. And then you can buy Enjoy Bukaki as the parent, because you should have had a Bukaki instead of... Of making someone pregnant, and you'll be you'll be coordinated because they're both red teeth. Yeah, you'll yeah. be styling. Um, or you can buy a Bish shirt, you know, or or the new Stinkor design if you have a woman who who has an unseemly odor in her downstairs region. <laughs> you, know, you can you can buy her a shirt. This is you know Stinkor. It's an inside joke. Sigurongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Finally, Sigurong song of the week tomorrow night. I'm very excited about this. Me too. Tomorrow night we're going to see Fear. Play their iconic first LP, the record, yeah, in its entirety on the 40th anniversary of the album at Alex's Bar in Long Beach. We're going to see a lot of raucous men tomorrow night. I think it's going to be, you fear fear shows can get violent. Yeah. I mean, now I think everyone's kind of middle-aged. I mean, there's going to be a lot of young raucous men there. I mean, it's it. completely sold out. Alex's bar is tiny. Yeah. For a, for a show like this. I mean, it's, I can't believe it's been 40 years since that album was released. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's been 40. How time makes fools of us all. The record is the uh, debut studio album by, uh, by hardcore punk band Fear, released May 16th, 1982. Mental. On Slash Records. So we're going to end the show here with I Love Living in the City from, from uh, Fear. We'll be back next week with episode 846. Till then. Take it sleazy. yourself a, um, a mega pint of red wine, correct?
a mega pint. Hmm. Yeah. I poured myself a large glass of wine. Right. I thought it necessary. One of your good friends that you've taken drugs with before is Marilyn Manson, right? Yes, we've taken, uh, 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 we've drank together. You would sometimes drink whiskey in the mornings too, right? Um, I, 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 I you know, I mean, isn't happy hour any time? <laughs>